Everybody good? All right. I'm going to, uh, today, I'm going to be cognizant of your time, and uh, I'm going to be preaching today on the second week of Grounded. I want to let you know that our church has partnered with the Convoy of Hope, and we are, because of your generosity, Convoy of Hope is on the ground in Maui, uh, helping with relief for the fire. So we want to say thank you for being a generous church that helps support and being a part of bringing relief to parts of our nation and the world that is in trouble, and we continue to pray for them. How many of you this week will agree that we're going to just be praying for Maui this week and what God can just help them in this season? Another thing I want to let you know about is that our small groups start on September 3rd. If you're not signed up to join a small group or to lead a small group, I want to encourage you to do so. It's really important time of our church because church is good in, is good in rows, but it's uh, really powerful in circles. So we want to do life together. Okay, shout out to God's House of Hope in the room. I heard you today. I heard you. Just so uh, church was wondering, like, is there a pack of wild animals in here? It's God's House of Hope, baby. <laughs> All right, week number one of Grounded, we talked about God's, God's Word we talking about four different things throughout this series. This week we're going to talk about being grounded in God's spirit. Everybody say God's spirit. God's spirit. Just a reminder that you can sign up uh, to, for text devotionals during this series. And the, the QR code that you receive coming in, there's some squares that you can, you can scan and uh, get these QR or get these video devotionals sent to you twice a week. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you. Uh, signed up for it last week, so you can keep signing up. It's just going to re-emphasize more and more uh, what we talked about this Sunday. So this week, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit uh, on those text devotionals. Okay, so the, this whole series is taken from Acts chapter number two, and the context of this is that Jesus's ministry has now come to an end. He has, uh, he has been crucified. He's been buried. He is now He's resurrected and now ascended, and the Holy Spirit has now fallen on the first century believers. And this is where we pick up the story, Acts chapter 2, verse 24. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want you to turn your attention to that first part. It talked about how they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. We talked about that last week that it is our responsibility if we're going to be grounded in a rootless world that we need to be grounded first and foremost in the word of God. If you didn't hear last week's message, we had a lot of response. I want to encourage you to go back. I talked about five reasons we can trust the Bible. Today I want to kind of go a little further. That verse lets us know that all came upon every soul and many, many, many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. The idea of God's supernatural ability in the first century church 
was nothing that was unusual to them. The New Testament church had a very clear dependency on the Holy Spirit. The early church had no concept of a non-supernatural church. We can see through the pages of the Bible that they, they looked to, they were interested in, they were dependent on, and spoke of the Holy Spirit often. All you have to do is look into the pages of the book of Acts, the first century church. The book of Acts means actions. It's the actions of the apostles in the first century church. It's documentation and blueprint for us to know what the, the starting point of what the church looked like, and I believe a blueprint for what the church should look like. And so what we find throughout the pages of the book of Acts, the emphasis they have on the Holy Spirit. Here's one of them, Acts chapter five, really briefly. It says this, and we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 11, then the Spirit told me to go with them. Acts chapter 11, verse 28, then one of them stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world. Verse chapter 13, verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Acts 15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Acts 16, 6. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Acts 16, 7. They tried to go to who knows. But the Spirit did not permit them. You should have to read in front of thousands of people every week. Acts 18, 5. Paul was compelled by the Spirit. Acts 19, 21. Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia. Acts 20, verse 23, the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Acts 20, 28, therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Do you see it? The first century church had an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. What did they know that we don't know? Because if I was to look around the church world today, you don't oftentimes see an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. What did they know that, that oftentimes we don't know? Well, what they know about the Holy Spirit is what Jesus told them. Not what mama told them or grandmama. It, it was what Jesus told the apostles, and the apostles told the new followers in the church. This is what Jesus said, John chapter 14. They're at dinner. This is their last staff meeting before he's crucified. And he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. In other words, this Holy Spirit is not for the world. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. New concept for the disciples. They've never heard the Holy Spirit will be in them. They knew for generations the Holy Spirit can come on a person, but they've never heard the concept that the Holy Spirit will be in a person. Jesus is introducing them to a new idea about the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans or helpless or abandoned. I will come to you. Jesus is not saying I'm coming back in physical form in regards to this context. He's saying I'm coming back 
in the form of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming, John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. This is what Jesus is telling the apostles at the table that night. It's better that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is letting the apostles know, I'm going to leave. In just a few hours, I'm going to be crucified. They're going to bury me. I'm going to resurrect. He's trying to inform these guys of everything. Like, I'm leaving. He goes, but it's good that I leave because the Holy Spirit will then come. And the Holy Spirit won't just be one person in the Middle East teaching. The Holy Spirit will be available to everybody on the planet. And he goes, it will be another comforter. I mean, I wish I had way more time than I have. But the word comforter in the Greek is parakletos, which means a carbon copy of me is coming. And when I come, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be like having me. The Holy Spirit is to the church what Jesus was for the apostles. Are you with me? Jesus goes through the chapters preceding, give you just briefly a few things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit does. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He says the Holy Spirit is our reminder. The Holy Spirit leads us. The Holy Spirit shows us things to come. The Holy Spirit glorifies and testifies of Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit gives us, gives us power. This is just some of the description that Jesus is letting us know the first century church. This is all the understanding of the Holy Spirit they had, is what Jesus told them. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, the last thing that Jesus said that's one of the last things in the book of Luke, I love this. He says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, the Holy Spirit, but stay in the city, talking about Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power. Everybody say power. Power from on high. Jesus says, don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He says, for what you're going to need to do, you're going to need supernatural power to do so. That word power literally means to be furnished with everything necessary. So the first century church had no concept of just going out there without being endued, as the King James says, with power. They had no concept of just walking out after Jesus ascends and then going out and to preach and live their lives and raise families, they had no concept of just going alone. Jesus said, no, you're not gonna be alone. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna be in you. So that's the first century church's understanding that Jesus told us we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, the Christian experience is a lifeless and dead thing. That's why I think when you come to Vibrant, you can't oftentimes put your finger on what it is you sense here. 
but I want to believe it's, it's just not that we're, we got a good worship team, which we do. It's not because we have a nice lobby, which we do. It's not because we have a great air-conditioned room. Praise God for that. I wish somebody should have told me it gets this hot before I moved here. I'm just saying. I didn't know. All of that is good. But really, the difference maker, I believe, with our church is that we let the Holy Spirit in our church. We want to be open to the Holy Spirit and that anointing and that touch, that special thing that is hard to distinguish and hard to explain, but everybody knows when the Holy Spirit's in the room. It just feels different, doesn't it? Well, it just, you can sense the love of God and you can feel faith stirring in the room. Just the Holy Spirit is welcome at Vibrant Church. Now, Reinhard Bunke, I heard him live one time. He said this, to be blunt, Christianity is either supernatural or nothing at all. We had and still have a supernatural Jesus with a supernatural ministry, creating a supernatural church with the supernatural gospel and a supernatural Bible. Take the miraculous away and you have taken Christianity's life away. The church becomes an ethical society or a social club when it is intended to be the grid system of transmitting the power of God into this powerless world. You and I are conductors of God's power to this world, Reinhardt said. Isn't that true? That, that's, I, I, I just am not interested in being a part of a powerless, dry, cold, lifeless body of believers. The precedent in Scripture is that we are to be filled with the power of God. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about being grounded in, in the Holy Spirit. I believe there are three reasons why people will uproot from the Holy Spirit. We've been doing... Last week, we gave away hundreds of these plants um, for every person to take. There's some out there or every family to take out there in the lobby. I wanna encourage you to take one and plant it at your house to be reminded that we're gonna be planted in our lives. So, so when you see this, I want you to be reminded I'm gonna be planted in the word. And today, I want you to be reminded I'm gonna be planted in the spirit. But I think there are three reasons why people are uprooting from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down, the abuses we've seen. The abuses we've seen. Weird, fanatical, emotional, strange abuses of the Holy Spirit. People who are trying to prophesy and speak weird things, say strange stuff. People who are in a service and act like they're out of control. People who are on YouTube prophesying who's gonna win the next election and then all of them were wrong. 
I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying that's one of the reasons why people don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit is because nobody is doing it with order. I shouldn't say nobody, but few. Because when I say the Holy Spirit, there are some of you in this room that are like, Pastor, I got a flag in my purse, and I'll run around this room and let him have it. You're here. I just don't know where you're at, but I'm going to find you. I told the ushers, look for big purses. That's in one of them. <laughs> then there are others of you that are like, ooh, can't be talking about the Holy Spirit, Pastor. I don't know what's going to happen. Can I tell you, I grew up, many of you know I grew up in the Pentecostal church, really wild something else. And, and I'm thankful for my heritage. I really am. And I make fun of it sometimes, but, but, but it's valuable to me because I'm thankful that I was taught the presence of God early in my life. And I'll say, one time I was at a service to help us understand about the abuses we've experienced. I was at a service one time, and some of the responses people do under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I don't want to be mean, I hope I don't just make anybody mad, some of it is learned. Some of it is conditional to how they grew up. Okay, and I'm not being hateful, it's just, it's just the reality. And I'll give you an example. I went to a church one time with my father, and we were invited, and they said, this pastor is super, super powerful. And, and so we go, and, and, and so we preached, okay, it was good. Good, God-loving, fearing people love Jesus and, and on their way to heaven. The pastor, at the end of service, opens up the altar and says, we're going to pray for everybody who wants prayer today. So... All of a sudden, I'm sitting in my chair, and, and, and I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I wish I was spiritual like some of you and close my eyes and worship, but sometimes I'm just like this. Anybody struggle with that? You just got eyes that can't stop. Like, I got to look at stuff. That's why I have to sit on the front row, because I can't have a 1,000 of you in front of me. So we go to this service, and this pastor opens up, and all of a sudden, and you got to understand, you can't. I'm just going to tell you. Unless you got a snake, you ain't gonna scare me in church. You ain't gonna scare, I've seen a lot of weird stuff. So in this service, the pastor gets ready to pray for somebody and while he's praying, all of a sudden, like a team of ushers that were the biggest men in the church start lining up behind everybody and lays hands on somebody and they go down. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Goes to the next one. Boom, goes down. Goes the next one, boom, goes down, boom, goes. Everybody's going down. These ushers are catching everybody. Just boom, boom. Now listen, I'm not saying that's not real. I have been prayed for two times where I physically could not stand and I was laying on the ground. But I wasn't paying professional catchers to catch me. Catching all these people falling down. And I remember thinking like, holy smokes, this guy's the real deal. Everybody he touches is falling down. So I'm just sitting there thinking, do all these people come to this church? Because if it is, then it's maybe just what this church does. I don't know. I don't want to judge it. So I'm sitting there. Everybody's gotten prayer in this church but me. And as the room gets less and less targets, I know it's, this, it's intensifying At this point, I'm just now faking prayers like. 
He looked at me, almost fell myself. <laughs> he calls me up, and now I'm like, okay, here it is. Here's the real thing. He puts his hands on the side of my head. He doesn't say a word. He starts twisting my head backwards. I'm like, no wonder everybody's falling out. All their necks are broke. And all of a sudden now, here's the thing, here's the thing. If it ain't real, I ain't faking it. So I start pushing back. I ain't making this up. I just start pushing back to the And when you know, this is when you, when he saw me put my leg back, he called in reinforcements. I prayed to God. We got one right here. Started pushing my head back. And I'm like, and now I got like people touching me everywhere. And I'm like, get your hands off me. They're pushing me back, pushing me back. And at this point, I have a decision to make. Either I just need to fall down or I'm gonna start growling and acting like I got a demon. <laughs> Let's give him something to talk about. So now, I'm just gonna tell you the truth. I didn't feel anything. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't real. I'm just saying, if God wants to knock me down, God doesn't need your help. I mean, at some point, I got tired and I just fell. <laughs> I did, I went down and got back up within a second. And I was like, okay, what the heck was that? Here, here's, and you know, here's the thing. I'm gonna be fine for the rest of my life. I'm not traumatized from that. Maybe I am, I'm telling you right now. But, but can you imagine if that was your lost husband? Can you imagine if that was the person you were praying for for years to come to church and somebody gets them and tries to break their neck at the altar? I think all of you know by what you just saw, I believe in the altar. I believe in the prophetic gift. I believe in laying hands on the sick. I believe in praying for people, but God who's sovereign doesn't need me to push somebody down to fall down to verify that I'm powerful. I don't need somebody to be impressed with me. We're trying to glorify God. So those abuses can make somebody be like, that's what I'm talking about, Pastor Ethan. Can I tell you, I agree with you. Can I tell you that? There are friends of mine that would love to preach at our church, that I think they have a great word. They would have something to say. They would help you. They would have a great message. But when they would get, they would do something and be like, listen, my people, they're next. They're not ready. You gotta warn us, we all gotta do calisthenics in the parking lot. <laughs> I, I'm so thankful for where I come from. But it's like, why do we gotta beat people over the head with the Holy Ghost? Am I helping you today? And so as a result, people have created biblical theology around the Holy Spirit that domesticates the Holy Spirit because of the abuses with the Holy Spirit. And just because there have been abuses with the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean that you abandon the Holy Spirit. And as a, before I move on, I do want to say I love all those people. They're good people. They're strong people. <laughs> Point number two, teachings we've heard. You know, there are people 
who are taught to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're taught that the Holy Spirit is demonic. They're taught that, that, that God no longer speaks today, that we don't have any miracles, we have no signs and wonders, there's no gifts of the Spirit. There's people trained to believe that, good people, and their teaching comes from, and I, and I kind of got, I'm gonna put the definition on the screen, it's the teaching of cessationism. Million dollar word, this is what it means. Some believe that the miraculous empowerment of the Holy Spirit ceased with the death of the last apostle, which was John, he was 90 years old. So at 90 AD, the Holy Spirit ceased from having activity on the earth and the formalizing of canonization of scripture. Meaning that once we have the Bible, once we have the Bible, we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. That's kind of the teaching. We don't, we, don't have, we don't need the Holy Spirit in our churches because now we have the, the written word of God. Where do they get that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For if we know in part and we prophesy in part, for we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, this is what they believe is the perfect, and I'm not saying that's wrong, I'm gonna help you. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. In verse 12, they say, we see in a mirror dimly, but then the face, then face to face. For I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Here's the idea, that once the perfect, once the scripture is put in a leather-bound Bible, a library of scriptures put together, that is the teaching of cessationism that says that when the perfect is come, we will know, this is what it says, we'll know everything, we'll be mature. Now, I don't know about you, there is no way that's right. And I'll tell you why, a couple things. The verse said, prophecies, they'll cease, tongues, they'll cease, knowledge will cease. When the perfect comes. It's saying that many people interpret will believe that is saying the miraculous will cease when the Bible comes, when we have a Bible available to everybody because we don't need any more miracles because God used miracles to start the early church through the apostles, that's the belief. Well, the problem with it is I can track with it, but knowledge hasn't ceased. Does that make sense? So you're picking two out of three that has ceased, okay? The Bible doesn't teach that knowledge has ceased and so I want you to catch this. The perfect coming is not when the Bible is canonized. The perfect coming is when we go to heaven. Because in heaven, we don't need miracles. In heaven, we don't need prophecy. In heaven, you don't need the altar. You don't need a word of wisdom. In heaven, you don't need the laying on of hands to get healed because you're well. When the perfect comes, is not talking about the written word, though we thank God and it is perfect. But we're saying not the written word, we're saying that when we get to heaven, we will be fully known, the Bible says. We'll know everything when we get to heaven. That's the idea that it will, will cease. I am of the belief, and this church is of the belief, that we are what you would call continuationists, which is another million dollar word. Here, here it is, here's the definition. The miraculous empowerment of the Holy Spirit continues to supernaturally edify, strengthen, and embolden the church until the second coming of Christ. 
That's it. Well, Pastor Ethan, where do we get that? I'm glad you asked. Mark chapter 16, 15 through 18. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, not just apostles, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned, verse 17. And these signs will, be, will follow those who? These signs will follow those who? I thought just the apostles had miraculous power. They did, but the believers, he said, if you believe these signs and wonders will follow you, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, Jesus said this, and they will take up serpents, don't try it, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What they're saying is that you will have a supernatural life. Supernatural protection, supernatural power, you'll be used by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, this follows them that believe. We believe that the Holy Spirit still wants to edify and move in the church and in our personal lives today into the second coming of Christ. Well, Pastor Ethan, what about, you know, it's just the apostles. I promise it was just the apostles. I'll go through them, I'll just show them to you. Here's 11 different people in scripture that were used outside of the apostles to do supernatural things. So the argument that the apostles were the only ones that were used by God to do supernatural work is an error because here you go, you have 11 different sites in the scriptures in the book of, in the New Testament that lets us know these people were used in supernatural ways, whether it be prophetic, whether they use words of wisdom, whether God spoke to them, the Holy Spirit led them. These are references that God used these people, and they are not the apostles. Are you still with me? I'm gonna skip a bunch of notes. We're gonna have to come, third, come second service if you wanna hear more. Number one, the teachings we've heard. Excuse me. Number one, the abuses we've seen. Number two, the teachings we've heard. Here's what really hinders people from the Holy Spirit, the self-reliance we possess. The self-reliance we possess. We resist the Holy Spirit naturally because we are human, we are self-focused, we are self-satisfied, and we don't want or need in our minds the power of God. The first century church knew that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first century church was extremely aware that what we need to live was the Holy Spirit in our lives being active. They knew that. They didn't question it. It was, it was believed that, that we need the Holy Spirit to help us raise our kids. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with our business. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with our decision making. We need the Holy Spirit to help us with our families. Maybe sometimes that's why people don't want more of the Holy Spirit because they only think the Holy Spirit is for church. The Holy Spirit is for every single day of our lives to give you power from on high. Let, let me close with this, and, and we're a little out of time, but this week, I got sick this week, and um, I blame somebody I shook hands with at this church got me sick. I'm just saying one of you that went out that door last week got me sick. 
and it was on Tuesday or Monday or something. I started feeling a little funny, so I, I got a fever, and I go back into, we have a, a bedroom way in the back of our house, and, and I told Lena, please keep the kids out, and, you know, Lena's like, yeah, please get away from me. I don't want you near me. So I go to this back bedroom, and I'm getting more and more frustrated the longer I'm in there because all I'm trying to do is watch YouTube videos. That's it. Can you hand me my phone real quick? This is the truth. All I want to do is just watch YouTube videos. I'm sick. It's my final moments on earth. <laughs> That's what I was telling Lena. I'm dying, baby. All I want to do was watch YouTube videos. But the problem was that my Wi-Fi couldn't reach to that part of the house. So now not only am I sick, but now I'm being tortured. <laughs> so I started looking and the signal strength was weak. And I began to think about this sermon for you today. It is very easy for you and I to reject the Holy Spirit because of things we've seen and things we've heard. It's very easy for you and I to get out of the range of the Holy Spirit because of things in our own lives that make us feel like we don't need help. We don't need the comforter. We, we don't need his strength. We, we don't need his power. So, so we find ourselves moving away from the power source. And you feel like you're living your life like I was up in that room with 129 degree fever, holding that phone. I cannot get the information I need. I cannot get the power I need. Not because the power wasn't there, but because I was positioned so poorly that I couldn't receive the benefit from the modem. Here's what I want you to understand. If all you do is leave this service today and know that I need to position my life closer to the source of power, that's the Holy Spirit, that's my prayer for you today. That as simple as the sermon may be, that you will be grounded and say, you know what, I don't have everything together, but I can reposition my life to get closer to the source of power that brings me strength, that brings me help, that brings me direction, that leads me into all truth. I need the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you today, you do not want to live one day. You don't want to go to one service. You don't want to do, uh, you don't ever want to try to make decisions without the influence of the Holy Spirit on your life. Amen, everybody. So if you will, just stand with me all over the room. I just want to pray over you. I know I've made you laugh today and we've joked. But if you're in the room today and you just say, just right in your seat, that you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. If that's you, all I want you to just raise your hand right there. Just say, I want more of the power of God. I want to be furnished with everything I need. I need his help. Thank you. Hands all over. That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. Can I tell you, that's first century church. A dependency on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. 
It's gonna take you and I to position ourselves to make space for the Holy Spirit so we can have stronger signal strength to receive what he has for us. Amen. Father, you know every hand that was raised today. You know every person in this room. I pray that they will move closer to you. They'll have an openness to your word and your spirit. They'll have an openness to the life-giving, the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray the Holy Spirit convicting power will come upon us. I pray the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth and, and guide us and speak to us and, and give us wisdom and, and teach us things and show us things to come and teach us how to pray and, and ignite a fire on the inside of us that we will be a Spirit-empowered church grounded in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. If you believe it today, give God a big amen.